Welcome back to another edition of the talk show, episode 35, New York, we here. The Knicks clinched the playoffs tonight. So at the beginning of the episode, I talked a bit about that, about the NBA, but there's going to be plenty of other NBA stuff coming up. But in this episode, I talked about baseball, kind of the direction the sport's been heading in um, and some of the stuff I think the game needs to do to change and all that. So that's an interesting episode. I love baseball. And so all that is coming up right after this. Welcome back to another edition of the talk show. Um, it's another Wednesday night. It's late Wednesday night now. Um, I've been doing Wednesday evening podcasts. That's when I've been posting lately. I don't have the structure of the football season where I'm posting kind of Sundays and then one other day a week. So I've been doing Wednesday nights. I kind of like it. I've been enjoying it. So I'm, I might keep doing it. Let's try and make this a thing, a Wednesday night podcast. That's when the podcast comes out. Tonight, I waited a little bit longer. And for a very simple reason. I waited for the Celtics to lose to the Cavs, and they did. And that means one thing for me, and that's that the Knicks have clinched their first playoff berth since 2013. So just huge for me. Obviously, we're not done yet. <laughs> that's what the Knicks have been saying. You know, the goal was not to make the playoffs once we're here. Obviously, before the season started, no one would have thought that they'd be here. But now that we're here, um, we want more. As it stands, they'd have a very tough first round matchup. They'd be the six seed. They'd have to play against the Bucks in the first round. The Bucks are the three seed. Um, I'd like to see the Nets fall into the three seed, and uh, maybe they could play the Knicks in the first round. That would be fun. Or hopefully the Knicks can move up. The Heat, who are currently the fifth seed ahead of the Knicks, they have two games back-to-back against Philly and the Bucks. So those are two tough games for them. Maybe the Heat lose those, and maybe the Knicks can win out. The Knicks go three and three on their road trip. Um, you know, it had its ups and downs. That's how that happens sometimes. Um, and listen, they have a tough assignment ahead. I, I don't think it's going to be easy to win playoff games. One glaring stat that stands out at me, the Knicks are two and nine now in games decided by three points or less. So that's tough. You're going to have to win those types of games in the playoffs. So listen, I, I think Julius Randle missed some clutch shots. They made some mistakes down the stretch of the fourth quarter and overtime. So Obviously, not great there for the Knicks. Ultimately, THT hits the game-winning three in OT for the Lakers. Uh, no reason for AD to be talking trash after that. You, you didn't do much. Um, Julius Randle dropped 31 on you. and Anthony Davis was a handful, but he wasn't that great. I don't know. I don't know if I trust that Laker team, but that's kind of a different story. Um, I'm not going to get too deep into the NBA here because um, I'm going to be talking a lot of NBA. The play-in is coming up, the play-in games, and then the playoffs. So that's going to be like the next two months of just talking basketball. So I hope you're looking forward for that. I might stop talking basketball completely after the next first round exit. Um, I really hope they can win a series, and I hope they make it fun for all of us. Um, So that, I guess, we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, they can just win out, and there's still a bunch of games left. The Washington Wizards, congratulations to Russell Westbrook. I think... Westbrook, I love him, and I'm going to talk about him in a second, but they couldn't help us out. Um, they lost two in a row to the Hawks, both games that they led in, both games that they had opportunities to win, especially tonight. And I was really hoping they could win some of those games to maybe help the Knicks out. The Hawks now have only two games left. The Hawks will probably take the fourth four seed as they've clinched the playoffs already. Um, and for the Knicks, they're going to have to contend with either the five or the six but that could still change. As far as Russell Westbrook, he broke the all-time 
triple double record and it's incredible it's remarkable i've actually been going back and forth with someone on twitter now i'm not trying to diminish russell westbrook and what he's accomplished russell westbrook is awesome and what i love about russell westbrook is just the intense energy he brings to the court every single night something we don't love about all basketball teams all nba teams is how they're laxed guys want time off uh, Nick Nurse was just talking in an interview with Ryan Rossillo recently and actually today or yesterday about how um, Kawhi Leonard would be like, hey, coach, I can't come in yet. He would want him to come back in in a close game with like nine minutes remaining in the fourth quarter. He'd be like, no, give me a couple more minutes to rest. And at the end of the day, that worked out for them. But, you know, guys in the NBA, so many guys just want their break. They just want to take it easy. They want to relax. Um, Russell Westbrook is not one of those guys. He cares more than anyone out there. He's going to go hard for 48 minutes every single night. There's no, you know, off mode with him. There's no turning it down to 60%, 80%. He's going 100% hard the entire game. And sometimes that's actually his flaw. Sometimes he makes mistakes. Sometimes he gets stuck in areas on defense or, you know, makes a bad decision on offense because he's going too strong and he doesn't kind of relax and let the game come to him a little bit. So that's really his only flaw. Um, but I, I love his attitude. I love his style of play. I just don't know how conducive it is to winning as far as um, playing hard and how the league doesn't play hard. And I talked about this with my father who no one wants to play the Knicks in a playoff series because they play hard 48 minutes every night. Something interesting Colin Cowherd said, and he was actually saying this in a segment, he was praising the Knicks, but he did mention, he was like, Hey, in the playoffs, everyone turns it on. You don't think guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, although I don't know about Kyrie, but guys are just going to turn it on. They're going to start playing harder once we get to the playoffs. So, you know, it's going to be tough for a team that their whole MO is play hard. Listen, last night, the Knicks, Knicks needed more help than just Julius Randle and Derrick Rose. They were the only guys in double digits for them. And they hit some big shots. They missed some big shots. When you take a ton of big shots, you're going to hit some and you're going to miss some. That's just how it works. So I, I really don't blame those two guys for the loss. But no one really stepped up behind them. Um, and some nights that's going to happen. So you kind of need a little bit more. Alec Burks being out and... Uh, Emmanuel quickly being our two guys who score a lot of points for this team. And so that was tough for the Knicks. I've seen enough of Alfred Payton. I think Frank Nilakina should be getting those minutes. He showed it last night. His defense was excellent. So if you're putting um, Payton in for defense, then you just have Frank Nilakina play D, right? Um, and he even hit some big threes and he's not a total liability on offense. I think it, I think Alfred Payton at this point is a liability on offense more than anything else. He even when he gets inside, he makes some nice moves to get inside. He can't finish. And when they kick it to him and they move the ball around nicely, the, the ball movement just stops because no one's going to step out on him when he's beyond the three-point line or anywhere beyond the paint. He just can't shoot. So that's kind of been tough. He's a uh, net negative for the Knicks this, so far this year. He is the only player on the team who's he's in like a minus 200 or something like that. He's been <laughs> really bad. Um, so while this team has been relatively pretty good. So... I think I've seen enough of him. As far as the playing games, I know LeBron was bitching and complaining about it. And it sucks for you, LeBron. I'm sorry. Maybe you should have played. You know, he played tonight, didn't play against the Knicks because he didn't want to come back. He didn't want to get hurt. You saw how grueling it was. You saw how Anthony Davis was just totally getting ripped apart by the end of that game. He was just out of breath. Everything was hurting him. That's what a full game of Julius Randle will do to you. A full game of these Knicks who just play hard. They hit you. I, I, that's what I was saying. Um, but... The playing game is great for the league. The last two, three weeks of basketball, I've been watching every night, no matter what's been going on. And obviously, it helps that the Knicks have implications for them. Uh, so it helps that I have a rooting interest, and that's part of it. But it's great for the league. I think teams that would have tanked 
that were kind of in that in-between zone didn't tank. Chicago, the the Bulls are a perfect example of that. They decided to go out and get Vucevic and go for it. Obviously, that didn't work out for them. That worked out terribly for them. But at the same time, there are teams that would have tanks early in the year. Instead, they're going for it. And the same goes for teams that would have just relaxed. They were like, all right, we'll be a 5-4 seed and we'll just go into the playoffs. We'll cruise into the playoffs. No, you can't cruise because like you saw with the Lakers now, they're falling into the seven seed. So, you know, and put Steph Curry in a game in a one game play in scenario and watch him score 70 points in that game because he's capable of doing that in a game where he's not going to be taken out after three quarters, even if he has 50 points. Um, so, and by the way, if it's the Lakers against the Warriors in that game, Steph Curry's going to need to score 70 in order for them to beat the Lakers because that Warriors team is not good. If you watch that team on a nightly basis, that team is just not good. And Steph going off is pretty fun. Uh, the NFL schedule came out today. So that's the other topic that's been talked about. I'm just going to talk about the Knicks because there are two storylines with the Knicks. The Knicks are playing against Darnold in week one, and people are kind of getting excited. Hey, it's a revenge game. This is great. Um, it doesn't really matter. Hey, first of all, Darnold is going to Carolina. Um, obviously, we hoped it worked out for Darnold, but it didn't. He wasn't on the field enough. And there was not enough production. They didn't put anyone around him. The coaching staff was poor. There were so many reasons but why it didn't work out. But no one really has anything against Darnold. We don't hate Darnold as a, you know, as a fan base, I don't think. Second, it's in Carolina. The game's going to be in Carolina. So it's not like Sam is coming back to New York. So I don't think he's going to be super amped up to you know, show up the fans and drop 40 points on them. If Sam Darnold does well, then I'm, I'm happy for him. And, you know, this Knicks team is not a team, not Knicks, sorry, this Jets team is not a team that's expected to win a ton of games. So, uh, yeah, listen, if they lose that game, I'm not going to feel like, oh, Sam Darnold got us. That's revenge. Or and if they win, I'm not going to be like, yeah, we got Sam back. I just don't feel that way. So maybe some Jets fans do. I personally don't. Um, the other thing is the Jets are going to be playing in London. It's actually not a Jet home game, so the Jets are going to have nine home games and only seven road games this year because of the added game to the schedule. And that eighth road game is going to be in London. Now, I don't mind that starts at 9.30 in the morning. I love having football all day. Plus, I could get the Jets out of the way and then watch Red Zone the rest of the day, so I'm totally fine with that. What I don't love is whenever they send a team to London, that basically becomes their bye week. You know, that's going to be week five and then week six. That's their bye week because they're coming back from London. So you kind of don't have a bye week at all because there's the travel and it seems to mess with teams all the time. So the NFL generally sends their worst teams to London. Uh, they just throw their product to London. I'll tell you right now, Woody Johnson is probably a big part of this because he was the ambassador to London. So um, he's probably like, hey, I'm going to bring my team to you guys. This is great. If he moves the franchise to London, then I'm done with the Jets. So that would kind of be a relief for me. So maybe they should do that. But yeah, it's usually the worst team in the league. The Jacksonville Jaguars It's not usually a New York team, but the Jets haven't earned their New York name over the last few years. They've been really bad. So I guess that's why they're getting sent to London. Anyway, I'm going to take a quick break and then jump into the rest of the podcast. I want to talk about baseball. Uh, what's wrong with baseball? And what I think needs to change and what's been going on with baseball. I'm a huge baseball fan. I have been for my whole life. It's the first sport I fell in love with and I still love baseball. And I understand that a lot of people are not as big baseball fans of me. I kind of want to just explain why I'm such a big fan, how I think the game can re-engage America as a whole and get more fans for it. So that's all coming up next. Today's episode is brought to you by Real Sleep. 
The pandemic has had a tremendous impact on sleep, insomnia, and anxiety. This is actually Mental Health Awareness Month in May. And if you're suffering from sleep issues like half the world is, our sponsor, Real Sleep, has developed the world's first personalized sleep solution customized to you. Unlike prescription and over-the-counter sleep aids, their plant-based formula works with your body to get you to sleep faster, help you sleep deeper, and cut down on sleep disturbances. I actually have a very hard time falling asleep. I just, my mind kind of runs and it's all over the place. And I use this to help my mind just settle down, calm me down and get to sleep faster and stay asleep longer and feel more rested when I wake up. So while sleep is solitary, you're not alone. And Real Sleep is here to help. That's why we're teaming up with Real Sleep to give you 20% off your next purchase. Just go to the the link in our show notes. That's uh, the little notes about the episode. And use the code POD, that's P-O-D, to see why real sleep is the last sleep product you'll ever need. What's wrong with baseball? Um, I think in order to understand this, people need to first understand what's so great about baseball. What is the appeal of the game in the first place and why I fell in love with it at a young age. So let's go back. Um, I think there are so many great things. When I was a little kid, it was the first sport that I was brought into. I played it first. I watched it, um, played some baseball video games. And the big thing with baseball is my first baseball game I went to was with my grandfather um, and my father. So there's a connection of generations. There's something unique about baseball where they always talk about the greats who played it and the generations and the history of the game. I used to read a lot of baseball books growing up. Um, And in all the books, everyone talks about the history and the different players, the Ty Cobbs, Babe Ruth, the Jackie Robinsons, Ted Williams, Hank Aaron, uh, just all the great history and traditions of the game. That moment that you can't even describe where you come out of the tunnel and you see the field for the first time and the grass is just impossibly green and it just looks remarkable. It's something that is a moment that I don't forget. Every time I would come back in the summer and see the field for the first time, I would have that feeling again. And then as I got older, I'd kind of get used to it a little bit, but I had it again this year. I hadn't been to a ballpark since, you know, middle end of the summer, 2019, maybe it was even September, 2019. And then there was the pandemic in 2021 or 2020. And 2021 was the first time that I was able to go back to a ballpark. I went to Camden Yards a few weeks ago. And I walked in and I saw that green grass for the first time. And, you know, you see the players in the crisp uniforms. Um, There were no vendors this time. So that's just a different feel. No peanuts, Cracker Jacks. But you still have that smell of the ballpark that comes over you. It's just something different. Something about going to a baseball game uh, is just a, a life experience that's just so different. And it's supposed to be experienced as a family. You're talking about you go from the beginning of summer, April, it kind of means, oh, spring is here, baseball's back, and then it takes you to the middle of the summer, the hot summer days that you're sitting there at the ballpark with a cold beer or just whatever, an ice cream or lemonade, who cares? (laughs) You're just sitting at the ballpark enjoying baseball games, and then it takes you into the beginning of the winter, winter with the fall and the playoffs in the World Series. Just the way the baseball season works is awesome. I love the seasons that it takes you through. Um, and there's so many just great moments. If you think back to moments you've had with family moments, you've had with parents or teaching about the game or different strategies, or you learn about different pitches, the intricacies of the game 
are something that I think are uniquely special to baseball over any other sport. Um, and even people talk about the pace of the game uh, and how the pace of the game is an issue. When it comes playoff time, I don't think there is a better sport than in the playoffs than baseball. Baseball playoffs, every pitch is so meaningful. When a runner gets on base in the playoffs, it feels like a rally has started. I don't know if anyone remembers in Pittsburgh a bunch of years ago is that uh, wild card game. Maybe it was one of the first wild card games and Pittsburgh was playing against Cincinnati and Johnny Cueto was on the mound for the Cincinnati Reds and a, a runner gets on and the whole crowd's going Cueto, Cueto and Johnny Cueto dropped the ball. They were just so in his head. Those moments between the pitches, that slow pace of the game intensifies every moment. There's a 3-2 pitch coming. There's a runner on second. There's two outs. There's so much going on. There's strategy behind it. There's everything. And those moments are brought to life with the fans, with the broadcast, with everything. There's so much to baseball that is more than just the sport itself. There are all those little things. And I think that it has that more than any other sports called our national pastime for a reason. And that's why baseball is so special. Now, the game itself, you're talking about there's so many different things going on with the positioning of the fielders, the hitters, the different batters, the matchups, the different pitches that you could throw, a reliever coming into the game, the cat and mouse game between a pitcher and a runner on base and all that stuff going on. I mean, there is so much to the game and I love every aspect of it. And I think when you sit down and truly understand it, the game becomes even better but if you're just going as a fun activity with a family member, with some kids, with a significant other, with some buddies to a ballpark, and you can just sit and relax, and you don't even care what's going on on the field. It's just a great atmosphere and a, a great place to be. So I think baseball as a whole is just an awesome sport. Um, what's been happening with baseball recently is we haven't seen that. You know, people are complaining about the length of the game, how the pace of the game, there's no action, different things going on. The sabermetrics have come into play in a major way. Um, and the one thing that I've noticed is teams don't care to be competitive as much. They feel like if we're not going to win this year, we're going to sell out a bit and just hope we can get the next guy around. The biggest shame in baseball to me is the face of baseball, the way it promotes their game is just not good enough right now. The face of baseball is Mike Trout. It's undeniable because he is the greatest player of the generation. He is a player who, for the last 30 years, we haven't seen a player like this. I've seen him in person. The way he runs, the way he throws, the way he feels, the way he can hit a ball, the quickness of his hands, his size, he's just so big and strong. It's nothing like I've ever seen in any professional sport in my life the way he is just built different compared to everyone else out there. He should be a household name the way people who don't even follow basketball know who LeBron James is. So that's something that it's not that way. And there's a few reasons for it. First of all, baseball itself, you have to promote your game better. And second of all is the Los Angeles Angels. They don't do enough to win. The Los Angeles Angels have two of the most intriguing stories of the last... 20, 30 years in baseball between Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, who hits the ball so freaking hard. The guy steals bases and then he throws a 99 mile an hour fastball 
with an 83 mile an hour slider. Last night, he pitched seven innings, struck out 10 guys, gave up only one run. And then the eighth was like, all right, I'm going to go play right field now. I mean, that's insane. We've never seen anything like this. And the biggest issue is those two guys are not going to make the playoffs this year. They haven't made it in a while. I think Mike Trout maybe has one playoff game in his career. It was like a wild card game. Maybe he has one series. Are you kidding me? Shame on the Angels. And the league just doesn't care. They don't promote the guys the way they should. And that's that's part of the problem of the game. A lot of the media is kind of like, get off my lawn, old men. They use words like swag to try and make the game cool. But then when you talk about a guy getting suspended for showing up another player, they're like, well, that's the unwritten rules of the game. And I'm not going to bring up any names, but if you think about you know, reporters and baseball media on Twitter, that's how they are. And that stuff just bothers me. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I don't know. There are so many things outside of the game that hurt the game more than the actual game itself. I think the product is still, for the most part, good. But then there's the product. And speaking of the unwritten rules, because I mentioned it for a second, you have guys like Amir Garrett and Nick Castellanos on the Reds who get thrown out and suspended from the games for showing up guys and for showing bat flips. And that's part of the game. You want more action? Let people hit the Astros. The Astros cheated. These guys are getting suspended more games than the Astros ever got suspended. And the Astros cheated. They stole a World Series and the league doesn't seem to care. No, None of those players have been touched and you have players who are just trying to make the game more fun and make the game more enjoyable and those guys get reprimanded reprimanded for that and that's a problem it's like well that's the unwritten rules fernando tatis jr is such a fun baseball player and he hits a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch and everyone's like you have to apologize for this uh right now and no he doesn't he doesn't have to apologize Sports is supposed to be fun. You can respect the way the league is. You can respect the pastime. You know, Ty Cobb used to slide into guys with his cleats up and try and hurt them. So if you think the game was so respectful always, it wasn't. But cheating is okay. So you can you can't break the unwritten rules, but you can break the actual rules. That's fine. So, I mean, the way the league has been run over the last few years by Rob Manfred, it's just not good. So those are a few things. The next thing I want to talk about is the game itself. In the 1985 World Series, I, I forget who the pitcher was. Maybe it was Bob Gibson through 80. He had averaged eight seconds between pitches. And we're talking about a World Series game where there were runners on base. There were big spots. He's getting the ball, gets back up on the mound and throws to the plate. Now you see a guy step out, grab his crotch, scratch himself. The pitcher's adjusting his cap 19 times. There's about 25 seconds on average between pitch. And you can go on average in baseball today between a ball put in play is over three minutes because guys just don't even put the ball in play. Nolan Ryan is often considered the greatest strikeout pitcher of all time. He had a 25% strikeout rate in his career. The league average right now is 25%. 
one of every four batters who comes to the plate in a baseball game in the 2021 MLB season strikes out. And the pitching is great, don't get me wrong. But the batters are all looking for one of the three true outcomes, they're called. It's a walk, a strikeout, or a home run. They're looking to either get on base with a walk, strike out, or hit it out of the park, nothing in between. That's not conducive to a good game. In the early 2000s, uh, that number, which is now 25%, was half of that. It was about 13 14% strikeout rate across the league. In the 90s, it was, I think, 12.5%, so exactly half. I mean, everyone talks about in the early 2000s, what they tried to do was chicks dig the long ball. That's what they would say. So hit homers. They wanted more homers. And guys juiced up, used steroids. It was good for the game. But guess what? The pitchers were also using steroids. And they still played with fundamentals. Guys tried to get on, steal bases, hitting behind runners, moving runners over. Those things still matter. Look at the Rays. Tonight I was singing their praises. The Rays are a small ball team. They're a team that their whole mentality is to manufacture runs. Tonight they had a guy get a double. And the next batter on the first pitch, he hit the ball to the right side and moved the runner over to third. That's baseball. I'm sorry. (laughs) Go complain about it, but that's how baseball is. Their number four hitter, Brendan Lau, was at the plate. Garrett Cole was dealing tonight. It was a 0-0 game. It's getting late in the ball game. And they overshift to him. There's nobody on the left side of the infield other than Gio Urshela playing at shortstop almost up the middle. So he bunted it. If he would have bunted it a little bit further down the line, he would have gotten a double. Instead, he got a single easily, trying to get a rally going, trying to score against one of the tougher pitchers in the league, maybe the best pitcher in the American League. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed watching Garrett Cole shove tonight, throw 12 strikeouts. I mean, that was awesome. But the fact that the guy, the number four hitter, was like, I'm going to bunt. I'm going to try and get the guy over. The New York Yankees don't have anyone like that. Forget about their number four hitter, Tyler Wade, who's just a speed and defense guy, can't even bunt. He struck out trying to bunt three times. He hit it foul. I mean, that's insane. So the fact that no one plays small ball, and if you go on Twitter, I write these things on Twitter. I'm like, this is awesome. That guy just bunted. He moved a runner over. And people are like, even young guys who complain about people not liking the game they complain about the pace of the game they're young people they're trying to be like progressive like oh you old man you're you want the game to be the way it was no i want the game to be advanced i want the game to keep moving in the right direction but i think the tampa bay rays are doing it the right way and look they won they beat the yankees the team that just tried to hit homers the whole series and struck out a million times lost to the team that was playing small ball and yet even the tampa bay rays that advanced team had the situation with Kevin Cash and Blake Snell in the World Series where the analytics told him, take him out. Listen, I appreciate analytics and what it's done for the game. It helps the pitchers in a great way. It helps defense. I like the shift. I'm a big fan of the shift. I understand trying to get a competitive edge, but it's not giving you a competitive edge to swing for the fences every single time. It's not giving you a competitive edge to completely lose track of human aspect of sports. The greatest part, the greatest thing about sports is how it connects humans and how there's a human aspect to it. Every one of these professional athletes is a human. And it doesn't matter when a guy like David Freeze, who was sleeping on his neighbor's couch or whatever, his friend's couch, 
sometimes he can be the hero of a World Series because he's up there in that moment and he hit a home run. If you put him up there 900 times, he might strike out 899 of them. I don't care. In that moment, he was clutch enough to hit that home run. So when Blake Snell was pitching the way he was pitching, I don't care what the numbers say. You look over at the Dodgers dugout and they were relieved. They were happy when Blake Snell got taken out. That tells you all you need to know. I don't care what the numbers say. So this heavy reliance on the analytics is hurting the game. Everyone swings with an uppercut. Everyone's just trying to hit a home run. They end up striking out. They don't care to make contact. Now, the league is aware of this. They're, a league of, they're aware of the strikeout rate. And so what they're trying to do is implement new rules. But they're not implementing the right rules. The games are too long. So they make seven inning doubleheaders. That just, to me, just kills all that history that we just talked about. A game seven innings now? If the game, if the product itself was good, why would you have to shorten it? If someone told you that a football game is now going to be 45 minutes, you'd be like, you're crazy. It's like, well, we don't want the games to take three hours. No one complains about the NFL taking three hours long because the product itself is good. So fix the product. The second, the man on second base rule, I've talked about this a thousand times. First of all, if you're going to implement the rule, implement it right at least. The only way the second, the man on second to start the extra innings should be implemented is should, should start in the bottom of the inning. Because what ends up happening is the road team puts a man on second base in the top of the 10th. They score. Then they bring their closer in. Game over. Because they save their closer. Because a road team does not bring their closer in until they have the lead in the bottom of, of an inning. So you're hurting the home team. If you're going to make that rule, then it should start at the bottom of the 10th, not at the top of the 10th. But the rule itself is dumb. I'd rather you play 12 innings and play to a tie and just call it a tie. There's ties in hockey. Well, not really, but it's a point where one team gets a point. It's called an overtime win. There's a shootout. Throw a little home run derby in at the end of the game. I don't care. Have a shootout. After 12 innings, the two best hitters are up. They get five pitches. Whoever hits more home runs, game over. (laughs) I don't know, but the point is, it's so dumb. You're trying to end the game because there's just not enough action. The rule that I did like, the three batter rule um, with pitchers, I think it makes pitchers have to be more versatile. You can't just come and throw 100 miles an hour or throw sidearm to a lefty and then you're done. You have to face at least three batters when you come into the game. So I like that rule. Um, that Good job, baseball. <laughs> I'm not only going to bash baseball in the way they have done things. Now, the rules that they've been trying out in the minor leagues. Well, first of all, the rules they implemented now, I, I did want to mention this. This is kind of funny. I went to a baseball game in Baltimore. It was the first of a doubleheader. It was the Mariners against the Orioles. And in the top of the eighth inning, the game was tied. Now, the game should have only been seven innings because it was a doubleheader. The top of the eighth inning, they put a man on second base because it's extra innings. So I tweeted out, hey, welcome to Rob Manfred's baseball. I get to see the extra inning rule, the extra inning rule with a man on second to start the eighth inning. (laughs) Explain that to someone two years ago. They'd be like, what the hell does that mean? The, ba- the new baseball rules that they're trying out in the minor leagues, and I'm so glad they had a minor league season. Drew Robinson, um, if you don't know his story, just Google Drew Robinson for a second. He is a guy who, during the pandemic, when they shut down the minor league season, he tried to take his own life. 
he was really struggling. He was alone. He was try- he had made a major league roster, but was cut. Um, and he was not doing great. He somehow missed. He shot his eye out. He only has one eye now. And he decided, I'm going to take advantage of this second chance at life. Um, May is actually uh, Mental Health Awareness Month. And last night, he hit a bomb home run uh, in his minor league game for, I think, the San Francisco Giants, maybe the Texas Rangers. I know he was playing for one of them. Uh, so I'm really happy for Drew Robinson. And definitely go check out that story. So I'm really glad that minor league baseball is back because it's important for all those guys. A guy I had on the show, Alex Katz. Um, he's caught on with the Chicago Cubs minor league team. So I'm happy for him. Hopefully he can find his way into a major league roster. Also, every one of those guys is talented and they all deserve to live the dream one day. You know, they work hard and I'm just happy uh, that they are getting a chance this year, but they have implemented some rules. So in one of the leagues, they move the mound back by a foot. It gives the batter a little bit more time to see the ball. And it's an advantage to the batter because pitchers have been so dominant because there have been so many strikeouts because there's barely any contact. You're trying to give the batter an advantage by moving the mound back a foot. A foot doesn't sound like that much, but apparently it gives the batter a bigger advantage. They're trying to make bigger bases and the bases closer together so that it'll incentivize stolen bases. And they are trying to eliminate the shift. You either can't have a man in the outfield. You can only have four people in the outfield or you only you need to have two people on either side of the second base back. Now here are the flaws with that rule. Move the mound back Everyone will just change their approach again. They're just going to try and hit home runs. It doesn't matter. It's not because they can't see the pitches or the pitches are too good. Pitchers have been good for a long time. I know pitchers are incredible these days, but pitchers have been good for a long time. Moving the mound back doesn't help the hitter see the pitch. They don't want to see the pitch. They're just swinging for the fences, swinging as hard as they can. They're swinging aimlessly. Bigger bases you're making the game easier. Why are you making the game easier? This is a game that's hard. This is a game that's tough to play. That's one of the prides of the game. These are major league players. And the same thing goes for the shift. First of all, you want to make the guy stand on the infield dirt. Like you're going to have issues where sometimes a player wants to play back their strategy. That's part of the strategy of the game. Put a guy on the outfield grass. When sometimes they put four outfielders or a guy in shallow right, You're a major league hitter. Learn how to hit against it. You made it there for a reason. Listen, the league knows what's wrong with the game um, in a sense. Theo Epstein works in the major league front office. um, And he is a smart, smart man. He obviously led the Cubs to their first World Series in 108 years. And before that, the Red Sox to their first World Series in 86 years. So he's a smart man. He knows that the things that baseball fans want to see the most is more athleticism. Triples is the most favorite play of all fans. They don't like home runs as much as they like triples because that showcases athleticism, speed, and stolen bases. So those things, those new rules don't help that. I don't know if anyone knows the name Patrick Mazika. He has zero career hits. He has two walk-off RBIs in the last week. They were both fielder's choices. 
He plays for the Mets. The reason I mention him is because he put the ball in play. That's why he was able to get two walk-off wins. That's the difference. The solution is we need to disincentivize strikeouts. It's Michael Kay's idea. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how it would work. Michael Kay is the voice of the New York Yankees. He hosts a radio show in New York. We need to disincentivize strikeouts. That is the only way the game can change for the positive. And I trust these guys will figure it out. I appreciate them tinkering with it. I appreciate the fact that there is enough thought and effort going into it that they know that something needs to change. But baseball, please don't lose sight of what you guys have. You have a precious sport that's been passed on from generation to generation for the last 150 years. (laughs) And as a big baseball fan, I just want to see it get better. So let the guys have fun. Don't just say, let's let the kids play. That's like their big saying that the MLB has. Actually do it. Let them show each other up. And incentivize more contact. Incentivize a better game. Put a pitch clock up. Make guys throw faster in between pitches. That's fine. I'm fine with rules like that. But don't make my game that I love easier. Don't make the bases closer. Don't make the pitcher have to stand further. There's no reason for that. These guys are professionals. Brendan Lau is a left-handed cleanup hitter for the Tampa Bay race. He laid a bunt down the third base line and got a single out of it. Anyone can do it. You know, you could call Patrick Mazika lucky that he got two walk-off hits. Guess what happens when you put the ball in play? A lot of times you end up lucky. So that's my little speech, my little rant about baseball. I Again, I don't have the answers to it, um, but I felt like I want to talk about this with baseball season. I've been watching it and just this year, seeing the batting averages across the league be lower than 200. And, and all these people on Twitter again are like, oh, well, you're a dinosaur. You think batting average is the way to uh, to properly gauge a player. It There's a, dec- a direct correlation between batting average and how good the game is. <laughs> That's just simple. Um, there's still great pitchers. I'm sure the pitchers will be just fine with disincentivizing strikeouts. It'll make them want to do it more. Uh, there needs to be more of a game. There's not. There's eight fielders behind you. Throw throw the ball to the plate. Let him make contact. Uh, pitchers are not expected to go more than four or five innings anymore <laughs> because they, they just strike everyone out, just go hard, strike everyone out, and then the bullpen's going to come in anyway. Uh, no one cares to have quick innings. So that's all. That's my speech. I do want to thank everyone again for listening. <laughs> the fact that anyone wants to hear me talk about anything is uh, mind-blowing. I do this for fun. I love talking about sports. So if you're somewhere out there listening or you hear this, please just share it. Tell a friend. Follow me online. Engage with me. Um, Rami Lavi on Twitter and Instagram. I just, I I mean, um, I love doing this. That's why I do it. And if one day I could turn this into something, it would be thanks to the people who are listening now. So I really appreciate it. Also, the link in the description. You can send a message to the show. Um, so if you have a take on anything, just send it into the show. I'll probably play it and I'll talk about your topic. So I'd love to do that. I'd love to engage more with some of my listeners. And that's all I got. Let's go Knicks. Hopefully they can make some noise in the playoffs. And that's all. So I'll see you guys next time. 
Take it in, take it with you when you go. We said you can't go.